Whoa, what's up, everybody? Fan View Live, Real Fans Talk Sports. On the No All Talk Network. I'm that boy, Fred. G Sports back at it. In the building, y'all know what it is, Fan View Live, Real Fans Talk Sports, New Orleans Talk Network. Listen, thank y'all each and every day. We keep growing on YouTube, guys. Keep subscribing to the page. Keep hitting that notification button on, on YouTube, Fan View Live. If you're on Facebook, keep hitting that notification. Keep liking the page on, on Facebook. We're also on you, we also on Instagram. It's at Fan View Live. If you're on I if you're on Twitter, it's Fan View Nola. Don't forget to follow G Sports. Listen, he expanding, baby. All over the state of Louisiana, baby. You know it. All the time. If you're trying to get locked in on the world of sports, definitely tune in to FanView Live. Also, don't forget to follow our podcast. If you're on Apple um, Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, you can find us each and every place where you when you subscribe to your social media, baby. FanView Live will be there. 12 o'clock each and every Thursday. We got so much to get into the G Sports. Y'all had a fantastic show last week. Couldn't have been in attendance. Kyron Lacey putting in dropping gems. Dropping, dropping a few nuggets. Dropping a few nuggets. Putting it in. Talking about the draft last week. Y'all was dead on the money, man. Coach Hurricane Hand didn't want no nightmares. He didn't get one, y'all. He got what he wanted. Got a receiver in the first round. Got the tackle in the first round. We got so much to get into in today's show. We're going to be talking about the NFL draft. We're going to be talking about the teams who, <clears throat> who make splashes in the NFL G Sports. Some of the players who are going to have an impact in this NF, the first round of the NFL draft. So much to get into. A lot to talk about in the NBA, baby. We got some series going on in the Eastern and Western Conference. Yep. We got to talk about the Memphis Grizzlies and the Golden State Warriors. We got to talk about the Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks. We got to get into the law, G Sports. Let's get it. And not to mention, we got that bad man. Went ahead and, and, and made the deal to come on home. Back down here in the end. For people that don't remember, I remember G Sports did a did an interview with Tyron. It was yep. about, about a year ago. Yep. About a year ago. I'm um, talking about his success in Kansas City and what have you. Nine and a half Tyron Matthew not only play his high school football in Louisiana, play his college football in Louisiana, but not by tickets pro. To Louisiana, we've been talking about Tyron Matthew later on today. That's ain't signing him, but we're gonna talk about the draft and open it up, y'all. Um, G Sports, this thing's talk, baby. We're gonna get it on live and cracking. What is your draft grade of the Saints to start this off? The two first round picks, the second round pick, and the DB. Then we had the the, 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 day, the day three picks with the I call the Jackson brothers with Demarco Jackson and Jordan <clears throat> Jackson. Give us your grade on the Saints draft. If I had to. Pick a grade for the Saints draft, man. I got to go with a B minus. Uh, I was very pleased that we went receiver and tackle in the first round. Agreed. So everybody and their mama knew that's what we had to take care of and address um, going into this draft. We had to get somebody opposite side of Michael Thomas. Chris Olave was the pick. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they say he's the best route runner in the draft. I would have to agree. You know, I was a fan of Traylon Burks. Uh-huh. I thought Traylon Burks. Physical. Big. I thought we could have we stayed at uh, 16 and 19, and still was able to get trailing birds. But, you know, Mickey Loomis, you know, they wanted to be aggressive. We gave away the, we gave away the third and fourth round pick to move up to get a lobby. Mm-hmm. I think that was a little too much to give up when you could have stayed at 16 and got somebody like a trailing Burks. I agree. But, hey, Chris Olave is a, is a really good receiver. I know he's going to be a day one starter, so I was pleased with that. Trevor Penning coming in, uh, going to take care of that blind side yep. uh, for Jameis Winston, yeah. hopefully. Uh, you know, I know he's a little suspect on the pass blocking. So I don't I don't know uh, if he's going to be a, a, but he's a, nasty, a day G. one starter at the left tackle. 
You know, I don't know if they're going to move Ramshack to the left tackle, move Pennant to the right tackle. We'll see. One of the knocks on Pennant was he has slow feet. Right. And, you know, the level of competition he went against at Northern Iowa, he didn't, he didn't see the, the type of athletes he's going to see like he's going to see on Sundays. Correct. But all in all, I like that we addressed it. I do think he can even develop into a really good left tackle. Agreed. Um, by the time the season starts. DeMarco Jackson, uh, the kid from Appalachian State, I, mean, I was actually familiar with him because he plays in the Sunbelt Conference. Right. And I saw him play against UL the last couple of years. He is a tackling machine. machine. He can run sideline to sideline. He is very instinctive. I think he can be a player that, that, that comes behind DeMario Davis at that Mike Lineback position. We agree. And, you know, if DeMario gets hurt or Father Time starts catching up no, with him, him in a year or two, two. DeMarco is somebody that could possibly um, fill that void it, when DeMario is ready to call and, it And for people who don't, don't remember, DeMario Davis actually went to Arkansas State, and he wasn't a big-time prospect, third-round pick to the Jets in the 2012 draft. <clears> so <throat> looking at a guy like DeMarco Jackson, and, yeah, he can come in. He, he's not going to be a day-one start, but he can learn a lot. From, yeah. De, from from Demario Davis. Yeah, yeah. Then you go with Alante Taylor, a cornerback from Tennessee. Anytime you get a DB that's coming out of the SEC, you know he's seen the best of the best. And uh, Alante Taylor has all the measurable six foot and a half. He had a seventy nine yeah. inch wingspan. Ran a full three at the combine. Yeah, yeah but it, some of those schools get roasted. Tennessee yeah. is one of them. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and one of the knocks on Alante Taylor was he was very inconsistent at Tennessee. Right. Show 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 you know, show some flashes to be a really good corner. Right. But also showed that um he has he he, he struggles with eye discipline at times. Um struggled with, you know, uh, getting his hands on the receivers at the line of scrimmage. And when you long and lengthy like Alante Taylor, you gotta be able to get your hand on, on these receivers, especially in the NFL with, with with the kind of length that he has. But I think he's a project pick. Uh, right. I I personally don't think he's a corner. I think Alante Taylor needs think to is, needs to move to safety. safety. Um, but we'll see. But then as Allen came out in the press conference and said he's going to play corner. corner. So we'll, well see. Well, year one, I mean, P.J. played corner. But yeah. eventually, P.J. eventually became a, a a safety in this league. He was originally yeah. a cornerback. So give it time because P.J. We'll was a third-round pick and he was a corner originally. Yeah, we'll see. And then you, the last pick that, uh, of, our, of our draft with Jordan Jackson, the D-tackle from Air Force, uh, love his team. Wasn't really familiar with him. Uh, uh, a lot of the analysts said that, you know, he's he very, very twitchy. Uh, for a guy his size, um, but he showed a lot of inconsistency throughout his college career. But he has the traits, has the size to be a really good uh, D tackle in his league. Right. I thought we should have addressed running back and tight end. Um, that's why I gave us a B minus. Right. Uh, you know, instead of picking Alante Taylor in that second round, I thought we should have went running back or tight end right there. Right. Uh, you know, what I'm saying? or possibly another receiver. But uh, you know, Mickey Loomis, they thought otherwise. They they wanted to get Alante Taylor and and and, and get another long, lengthy corner. You know, in that secondary, so it is what it is. But that's why what I give the Saints man a B minus. Um, you know, and and I think you know two of these guys for sure are gonna make impact in year one for us. I, I gave him a B plus, and the reason why I gave him a B plus is one moving up for Chris Olavier. Um To me, Chris Olavier is a post corner deep threat. If you have not watched, <clears throat> I mean, this guy just makes plays from fifteen yards plus consistently over and over for the way he speed mm-hmm. his speeds and the way he run routes when he can get deep. I love the pick, and I know a lot of people, like I know you alluded to, that moving up to him, you could have got somebody else. But my position was this. They had a lot of draft picks in this draft, and they don't have a lot of roster spots. Mm-hmm. So taking your, you're taking your third and your fourth round pick and moving up for two guys who probably can't make this team, not because <clears> they can't play, but they're just not that many roster spots still left available on this team. Mm-hmm. Moving up to get their guy, right? They wanted to address the receiver position. They got it. So I love the pick and getting Olivier. I love the tackle position in Pennington. He's going to be a nasty fiscal tackle for this team. 
we got to see some things eventually in training camp to see how he, how he's going to work out. Uh, Alante Taylor is to me is a question mark, but I understand that PJ Williams did sign a one year deal. Mm-hmm. If he can learn that position very well, playing that DB role that PJ Williams did, I like the signing. I like the draft pick because again, if you cannot resign him for the future long term, if PJ has a good season, you may have a guy that could probably come in who's learned on the defense who could probably come and fill in that kind of role. Obviously, the D tackle. In the linebacker position, and Demario Jackson and Jordan, and Jordan Jackson. My thing is this: at some point in time, the reason I gave my B mind, they should have addressed the running back position. Mm-hmm. That's just me. And in the fourth round, they had some, they had some picks still available that they could have got some players yeah. in day three, <clears throat> and it didn't really address it. That D line, and what Ryan Nielsen has done with a lot of undrafted D linemen over his time in tenure in New Orleans. To me, the D tackle position just wasn't really a need. Right, Shy Tuttle. Chris Grandison, the list goes on. You still got three first round picks Malcolm on it. Roach. Malcolm Roach. I mean, Peyton the li- Turner. <laughs> yes, you still got Peyton Turner. Uh, you still got Davenport. Cam Jordan. Uh, David Adamata. It's just so, there's so much depth at that D line to where the running back position still should have been filled. It should have been addressed. Um, I know we're talking now. Tight end. Tight, and tight end. Obviously, um, Adam Troutman is just, ugh. And, and Jawan Johnson didn't get that many reps toward the end of the season. And so, Jawan Johnson is not—he's uh, not known for for blocking. blocking. And I think that that's what keeps him out of a lot of packages uh, with the Saints. Correct. So if he can if he can get better at run blocking, I think you can see him get more reps, you know, going forward. But Trotman got to step up, man. Yeah, he got to step up, man. He lot got of drops. Got, he lot has of drops. all the treats. He has the tools to be a really good tight end. He has all the tools to be a bust. Don't forget about Kobe Felina. Well, we can't really call him a bust because he he was drafted in the fourth round from Dayton. Okay. All right. So we can't really call him a bust, but Trotman coming out of Dayton, I had a lot of, uh, you know, I was I was real, you know, optimistic about him coming into this organization, and I thought he was going to make a difference at least by year two. So you're right. going into year three. three. So look, he 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 got to get it together. But I thought we should address it, like you said, should address tight end. Um, Even though this was a weak, tight it was end a weak. Draft. T- that's the problem. It was a but weak I still draft. Think we should have found. We could have found somebody. 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 Know, in that in that fifth or that sixth round. I'm, yeah, you know, somebody. Somebody. Anybody. <laughs> That's the problem. This was the very, for this draft. This is one of the most weakest draft in in common, you know, draft era where the tight end position and the running back position just was just like a drop off. Mm-hmm. In addition to the quarterbacks, I mean, and I don't want to take anything away from Kenny Pickett and all his workouts and what he's done to make himself a first round pick. I don't want to take anything away from what he had, he's done to make himself that. But let's just keep this honest. If the unfortunate accident doesn't happen. Dwayne Haskins, I don't think Kenny Pickett would have been the pick. Right. Which means that right. there'd have been no quarterback selected in the first round. Agreed. So again, this is a drop off in terms of talent at three critical positions on offense. Quarterback, running back, tight end in terms of this common day draft. And I still think we should have found one in this draft because I mean what we have and now that we <clears throat> we've made it, you know, official that Taysom Hill will be a tight end, right. or at least have packages that's, at tight end. That's what Christopher uh, Garrett just said, ain't Taysom Hill the new tight end. But I just think that Taysom Hill is not an everyday they tight, tight end. end. He's I'm not an every, every, uh, every down every down tight end. I just don't see him doing that consistently week in and week out. You can you can put him there and plug him in there just like Jawan Johnson, but he's not an every down tight end. So that's that's my issue with Taysom right. Hill being that tight end. Yeah, it's it's he's an undersized tight end. He's a football player, and when you have a football player, you're trying to find a place on offense to put him at. So I think he's labeled a tight end. But is he really a tight end? It's tough because you're talking about Taysom Hill, what, 220, 
two twenty five. I mean, I mean, you asking tight ends now have to really block. Yeah. Defensive ends. Yeah. And some of these guys are 260, 27, running full fours and running full fives now. He's labeled a tight end, but Taysom Hill is going to be lined up all over the offense. Sometimes yeah. he's going to be lined in the running. To me, Taysom Hill is our Swiss Army knife. Swiss Army knife. <laughs> That's what he is. That's what he is. And so is he a permanent tight end or a full-time tight end? No. And so I think that that's something that shouldn't addressed. More importantly, we're missing that Josh Hill-like tight end, somebody who really could come in and block, somebody who really comes in on those boule plays where he's not getting down the field G-Sports. He's really trying to get a lot of those underneath snaps, those third down and threes. And so like, Drew Brees has made a living with Josh Hill. He's saying, you know what, Hut, boule, boom, it's a dump off. It's not so much trying to Ben get Watson. Ben Watson. Watson yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's just a position I think they should address someone in the draft, running back, or tight end, and it wasn't addressed. So it's difficult for me as a fan to give them an A. But I do give them a B plus because they addressed it. Their, their, their two first-round picks, they addressed their immediate needs. And they got the players I believe they want to pick. So I've given them that credit. But Now, co- nah, nah, if we go ahead and, you know. Sonny Michelle. And sign Sonny Michelle. Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> and everything I'm saying go out the window. <laughs> So that, that if you can sign Sonny Michelle, then they go up to an A. They go up to an A. Ah, I still can't give him an A. I go from a B minus to a B plus. Because nah, well, I'm at a B plus. If you sign Jarvis Landry, you go up to A. And Sonny Michelle, you go up to A. A minus. <laughs> get A minus. Get A minus. Akeem Kimber said, "You can never have too many good corners." But I agree with you, G. Second round should have been a running back like Cook, man. Yeah, James Cook. James Dallas Cook. Cook, little, uh, little brother yep. from Georgia. I would have loved to see us pick him because you got to remember, Alvin Kamara will be suspended. suspended. And, 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 and if I had to guess, it's gonna between it's gonna be between four and six games. Right. So we're gonna be without him. That's why Agreed. we signed Sonny Michelle. That's gonna be very pivotal to have him and Mark Ingram Agreed. in that backfield. If we have Kamara, um, if we don't have Kamara for those four to six games, uh, Brandon Barbin says Trotman coming from a small school always had a steep learning curve. I think he'd be better this year. Hopefully. 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 A lot of drops last Stanley year. Stanley Reed, the second, says we should have went Trey McBride at 49. That tight end position needs some upgrade. Agreed. Uh, McBride, really good player. Uh, but, I, again, I think that he was somebody that people thought they can get in the third, in third round. round. You know what I mean? So, it, that's why it, it just was a weak It was a weak tight end draft. draft. It really was. I, they didn't have any stud tight ends. Now, I'm sure – you're going to have a tight end or two that's going to emerge, emerge and go to a good situation. We're going to look back and say, damn, he's pretty good. Yeah, damn water like <laughs> But coming into this draft, going off based off the film and just going off the evaluation, they didn't have any tight end that just popped out. Um, in, in no, they didn't. They just they, didn't. They just didn't. And they didn't have no guy who really made anybody who, who I would say combine. Nobody really impressed in terms of numbers. It was not like somebody had a, a fast 40. It wasn't like somebody had a, a great – um, three cone drill. It wasn't right. like somebody had a great uh, broad jump. It wasn't like somebody had a great, you know, some sort of measurable, yeah. some some sort of vertical. Yeah. There was really nothing there amongst these tight ends. They're probably very good football players, but what they did not show in their workouts and not, probably their pro day that they were good athletes. Yeah. And that's where the problem comes in at. Yeah. And so I can, as much as I agree, but it's hard to take a guy like Trey McBride because again, this was just a weak tight end draft. It wasn't like. It wasn't like Kyle Pitts last year. Right. You know, there's a kind of a, a sure thing. Yeah. You know, to just come to the ground. Yeah. I'll tell you what, though. Uh, just based off of our picks and what we did in this draft, like I said, I gave us a B minus. But Pete Mark Carmichael got a lot of pressure on him. Well, what? The, the, but does he? 
Pete Carmichael Lie. Lie. got a lot of pressure Lie. on him. Lie. All right? You got Michael Thomas coming back, who is arguably top three in the league at receiver. We're going to see we gonna how he's going to look coming back from that ankle injury. You got Chris Olave, who looks like he can be an all-pro receiver in his league. Deontay okay. Harris signed his tender. Yep. You got him in the slot. Got that 3.9 mil. Kamara, Ingram. I mean, you got weapons at your disposal now. So Jameis Winston, he's another one. Mm-hmm. You got a lot of pressure on you, son. Last year, we had to give you the benefit of the doubt because you wasn't you didn't have a number one receiver. You had a bunch of slap dicks. No disrespect to Marquez Callaway and them guys. He, he, no, there's no disrespect. That, a, that's, a, that's what he is, G Sports. That's what he is. That's what it is. Call it what it is. Your old line you was banged up. So now you got a lot of pressure on you. So yeah. I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you right now, fan view views. <laughs> Pete Carmichael and James Winston. Look, y'all got to come with it this year. You have to be on top of your A game. James Winston, I understand you're coming from the ACL injury, baby. But if you're not 100%, you better stay your ass out. Because you're going to have a lot of pressure on you coming into this season. I'm already, I'm, I'm already concerned about you as our quarterback. Oh, Lord. And I've been saying this since last year. And Sean Payton, not in the mix to hold him accountable to decision making. Don't do not forget. Don't lose sight of he led the league. The led the league in, 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 in interceptions with thirty. Yeah. Do not lose sight of that. So his his decision making is still questionable at this point. Man, why you so hard on Jameis? Can yeah. Pete Carmichael hold him to the same standard that Sean Payton did? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. There we is gonna, a question gonna, mark there. We gonna see. We gonna see. We gonna see. But I'm telling you right now, that's what that's that's what I'm really looking at. Dennis Allen, you did your job. The defense right. is addressed. Yes. It's addressed. Yes. It's one of the best in the league. It's the best in the league. Man, we, listen. <laughs> listen. Moving on to that topic, matter of fact. <laughs> now, I want to get to the one comment. We're going to move on to that. Now, uh, Stanley Reed says this. Um, I may have missed it, but what y'all think um, the outlook for is for Alante Taylor? Hearing that he will stay at corner and push competition with a Debo. Well, you know, like we said, Stanley, <laughs> early on in this segment. Right. Alante Taylor has the length, the measurables. He has a 79-inch wingspan, uh, six foot and a half, right at six one. Ran a four three. He has the tools, tools. in the in the, in the, in the, the measurable that you look for in a corner. But when I, I watched Tennessee this year, and he's very inconsistent. Eye discipline. That's one of the things that a lot of the yeah. you know scouts had was talked about. They say his eye discipline is very very shaky. Um, he's very inconsistent with that. Uh-huh. Getting his hands on receivers. Right. That is another thing that he has to get better, especially in the NFL. You cannot have a corner with that kind of length and them kind of measurables and not get your hand on a receiver. Of course. When you're in press coverage. Yeah. And that's one of the things he's going to have to get better. With these crossover receivers now. Yes. They did, yes. But what? He has <laughs> to get better with that going forward. And if Agreed. he can do that, we'll see. We'll see. Now, you know, one of the things I noticed about Lante Taylor that I didn't like, he's very stiff. And I don't you can't like, afford it. Can't afford that. You know, I don't give a damn how tall and lengthy you are. You got to be able to turn and run. You got to especially be able to have in fluid. a man coverage defense. You got to be able to have fluid hips, and now he's a little stiff to me, and that's one of the things I'm concerned about. Which is why I said I tweeted about. It. I said, man, I hope Dennis Allen plan on moving him to safety, right? Because I just don't know you can't how good that. he's going to be able to stick with some of these top receivers in the league with stiff hips like that. You, we'll see. We, we, we can't, you can't. You can't afford that. At the pro level, especially playing in man coverage defenses. Now, if you're playing in some type of zone coverage defenses, I'm not even saying you can afford it then, but you can disguise it. Yeah. You can hide it. But when you play a lot of man coverage, and the Saints play a lot of 5-2 defenses, I mean, a lot of DBs are playing man-to-man coverages. 
Boy, that's the last thing you can afford is stiff hips. Yeah. Boy, yeah. that's the last thing you Brandon can afford. Brandon Barber says every quarterback under Arians has high interceptions. Jameis threw two more than Manning did under Arians. Jameis was starting to cook before he got he got hurt, even though he was throwing to spare parts. You can't convince me that Taylor is not a future safety. Now, I will say this about, about Jameis. When he was in Tampa, all right, even before Bruce Aarons got there, he was throwing a lot of interceptions now. Let's not forget. What, what, Kurt, what it was Kurt? Uh, uh, Kurt, Kurt, Kurt Cutter. Kurt Cutter. Yeah. All right. So his decision-making has always been kind of suspect since he got into the league. Now, we can talk about he's had a different head coach and a different OC. You know, every year he's been in the league, and I will give him that, that benefit of the doubt. Last year with the Saints, he didn't have any top receivers at his disposal. All he had was Alvin Kamara. And all he had was drops, especially for Adam Troutman. And, and I'll, so I'll give him that benefit of the doubt. So I, but that still doesn't make me confident going into this year about my quarterback. Does he have the tools? We know he has one of the best arm talents in the NFL. We know that. That's but undeniable. in this league, you have to make good decisions. You have to take care of the ball. That's something that Sean Payton made sure that he stressed to Jameis Winston. Yeah. Ball security. Can Pete Carmichael get him to play at his highest level without turning over the ball? And if Jameis Winston can do that, then he's going to be an all-pro quarterback. Correct. If he goes back to, you know, he had the best arms to slice bread and trying to force it into all these tight windows consistently every down and every – yeah. That, yeah. We gonna be he gonna be looking <laughs> he gonna be looking at between seven seventeen and twenty interceptions this year, and we cannot win football games if he's throwing those type of uh, well, interceptions we, we, week we, in and week out. Well, we got, it ain't gonna happen. Well, we gotta figure that they're all in on Jameis Winston at least for this season. When you sign a Andy Dalton to be the backward quarterback, you you in on on the starter. Andy Dalton is there for insurance policies only. Andy Dalton, I don't want to see the field at all. Okay, we watched enough of Andy Dalton in Cincinnati. In Chicago and wherever he Dallas and whatever he's been. So if Andy Dalton's the back of quarterback, they're all in on Jameis Winston. But I do agree with you, G Sports. It does come down to his decision making. Michael Thomas needs to be back healthy. He needs to be able to play a full season just like he I did he his will. just like he did his first. And he's motivated. Year. He's motivated. Yeah. Yeah, he's motivated. And Chris Olavier, who is a guy who can he can get the ball to down the field. Like I said, Chris Olavier is a heck of a route runner, but what he does best with his speed is that he gets behind the defense. 15 yard plus plays. This is a guy who stretches the defense down the field. He loves to run those deep, you know, skinny post routes and kind of get between that corner and that safety. I love how he does it. He does the same thing on corner routes. I love how he runs route when he gets deep down the field. Because yeah. he can and stretch. And he runs it. good intermediate routes too. Yeah. But you know, again. I would love to see them bringing the Jarvis Landry in for somebody who's a little bit more polished in the NFL to do that job. Just in an event, in an event of Michael Thomas to get injured, I don't want I don't like to see Chris Olavia become our number one immediately. Right. Because he's right. a rookie and he's gonna have his rookie struggles. Right. Chris Gar uh Chris Christopher Garrett says if the Saints make a deep run in the playoffs and or reach the Super Bowl, is it safe to say that the problem was Peyton and Breeze? Whew. No, I'm, no, 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 I, no, I'm not gonna say that. No, I'm not gonna say that. I'm no. not gonna say that. Listen, we we can't disrespect Drew Brees and Sean Payton like that. I, you know, sometimes no. look in sports, sometimes you need a little luck. And with the Minnesota Miracle, <laughs> the pass interference against the Rams, <laughs> that's just luck. The, the football that's guys that. was just frowning upon us, right? So that ain't had nothing to do with Breeze and Sean Payton. Payton. So we get to the Super Bowl. I'm not gonna sit here and say. It was because of Drew Brees and Sean Payton. No, I don't want to say that. that uh, James Barman says, Jameis high in interceptions total prior to 2019 was 18. Brees threw 20 in his prime. I think the turnover narrative is overblown. 
but that's not saying he didn't have areas to improve on. And that's a great point. Uh, that's uh, a good Brandon. point. That's a great point. But I'll say this: when Drew Brees throw, when Drew Brees threw interceptions, I never questioned the decision. Correct. Of the interception. <laughs> Correct. When Jameis Winston threw his interception, I was like, "What were you what thinking? Did, what were you doing? <laughs> like, what did you see? Did you not see the safety coming down? Did you not see the two deep high? What are you watching?" And so that's my problem with Jameis Winston. It's his pre-snap read, um, his progression, the way he's going through his progression. It's the his his right. his his confidence to think that he can make every throw because of how strong his his arm is. That's my problem with Jameis Winston. And, and, and I and I question his leadership qualities. In addition to that. When Drew Brees threw an interception, know what that defense knew? When that same guy gets back on that football field, that's the same guy that could come out here and, and juggernaut us Great in point. five or six plays. Great point. With Jameis Winston, going back to the confidence which you alluded to, know what that defense feels like? We own him today. We made a play and on he him. he's going to come here and make the same mistake. He'll come he don't get, learn from his mistakes. He don't learn from the mistakes. So he he go out here and, and go ahead and repeat the same thing. And that's how you saw a lot of – you notice with Jameis Winston, there was a lot of pick sixes with Jameis Winston. That's not so much the case with Drew Brees. Sometimes the defense got the best of Drew Brees. Sometimes the defense gets the best of, of any great quarterback. Just like, just like our defense got the best of uh, Tom, Tom Brady. Tom Brady. But that's not it the happens. Now, we're not going to be idiots. We're not going to be fools. We know who on the side of the ball. We know what he can do. And, you know, everybody still know that he had to play disciplined football playing Tom Brady because we know what he's capable of. With, with Jameis Winston, you could play – the word's not undisciplined football. I would say very instinctual football. You can make plays on him because if he starts to lack confidence, he's going he's gonna to put the ball where the defense could get to it first. That's not the case with Drew Brees. And, and a lot of times, if you watch Jameis Winston in years past, his mind is kind of already made up where he's going with the ball yeah. when, he's, when he's coming out the huddle. And so with Drew Brees, you couldn't say that because Drew Brees, he might have an idea where he wants he's gonna to go with the ball, ball. pre-snap. But once he snaps that ball, Drew Brees going to go through his progressions and he's going to make the right decision. Jameis Winston, not so much. And so, look. I hope yeah. all these concerns I have about Jameis Winston is out the window when week one comes and he proves us all wrong this season. He ain't going to prove you wrong. I'm, I'm on, I'm on Jameis Winston's back. Well, bandwagon. I'm, I, well, look, I'm, I'm on the bandwagon. I'm concerned. I'm the bandwagon. I am concerned. I'm on the bandwagon, folks. I had to folks. rate my concern one to ten is at a nine. <laughs> I'm concerned. I'm just, I'm just letting you know I'm concerned. But look, I hope he proved me wrong. Yeah. Hey, I'm on the bandwagon, Jameis. Famous Jameis. You hear me? We'll but, but moving on, let's, let's stay with the Saints, but let's talk about this team. Dave Wade Hayden made an, uh, a phenomenal signing the past couple of days. Was talked about, came visit the team maybe a few weeks ago, and they came out, you know, public and said, listen, you know, it was a great visit, but the defense probably doesn't really need me. They kind of got a lot of things together. But right after that draft, baby, they revisited. And the Saints signed Tyron Matthew to a three-year, $33 million deal, bringing Tyron Matthew back to New Orleans to come play professional football. 18 millions in guaranteed money. G Sports, what is your take on Tyron Matthew now being part of the Saints secondary with Marshawn Lattimore, with Chauncey Garner-Johnson, over here with Bradley Roby, uh, Parson Adebo, you know, now with Marcus May back there. I mean, what's your take on now I mean, Tyron Matthew being part of the defense? And do you think the Saints are setting themselves up to be the best team in the NFC? It's going to be a lot of Fun Sunday fun days coming up. <laughs> I can tell you that. These Sunday fun days in the fall when the football season starts. On and popping. It's going to be lit.com. Culture Park, I'm in the, the building. handshakes. 
<laughs> that they're going to be doing on Sundays in that dome. Yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. But on the football side of it, look, great signing. Uh, you put somebody like Tyron Matthew with that kind of experience, that type of leadership on a yep. defense that was already elite. Right. Dennis Allen is going to make this defense flourish into something that we've never seen before. And we've had some good defenses in New Orleans, but I think this 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 team, this defense, this group, this personnel has a chance to be the best defense that the Saints has ever seen. And that goes back to the past Willing and Ricky Jackson days, Sam Mills. It has that type of – on paper, mm-hmm. they have that type of personnel. Right. That group that they have assembled okay. in this offseason, okay. they have a chance to be the best that the Saints has ever seen in that dome. And uh, the way Dennis Allen has has – has gotten better as a defensive coordinator. Correct. Every year he's yeah. been with the Saints. Yeah. When you give him these kind of pieces, Tyron Matthew, when God Mark is me. Yep. Huh? Yep. Chauncey going to Johnson is emerging as one of the best nickelbacks in, in all of football. Not one of. D. Arguable. D. It's arguable. Who's better? I, w- I would have to go back and look at my list. Okay. You know, I – Regardless of what people say about Paulson Adebo, I think Paulson Adebo is on his way to being one of the better corners in the league. A solid number two. I love Paulson Adebo. He he has good traits. Yeah, he has some bad moments, but he has some really good moments yeah. last year. Yeah. We know what Laddie going to do. Yeah. We, know, <laughs> we know what Laddie going to do. Cameron Jordan, regardless of what you want to say about Father Time. Consistent. Still playing at a high level. Mr. Marcus Cons- Davenport, if you can stay durable, he can be an elite pass rusher. Peyton Turner, I know you dealt with some injuries last year. That was our first-round pick from Houston. I think he can be a really good player. Ayamada, we know what he can do. do. Tuttle, Malcolm Roach, Grandison. Grandison. Jackson, who we just drafted on a D-tackle from, from Air Force. We got the personnel. Pete Warner had a hell of hell a rookie year. Hell of a, hell of a rookie year. year. That's why we're not really, think, that's why we're not really considering Quan Alexander. Alexander back because we are so high on Pete Warner. Tomorrow, we know what he's doing to that Mike. All pro. <laughs> Top three All Mike pro. in the league. All pro. So when you look at it from that standpoint, and how and then Dennis Allen moving PJ Williams to free safety last year, which I think that extended his career. Correct, I agree. Signing Justin Evans from from Tampa, even though I know he sat out a whole year last year. Matter of fact, I think he sat out the last two years. Yeah, that adds more depth to that secondary. We on paper we have the defense and the personnel to be one of the best, if not the best defenses that ever come through the Superdome. Listen, personnel wise. Nothing comes close. And I'll be, I'm, I'm going to take it a step further. They arguably are the best defense in football. Between them and the Buffalo. Football. I only say that. You got to put Tampa up in there, too. Well, Tampa. You got to put Tampa in there. We don't know. Sue, Sue is not back. But Sue ain't signed nowhere yet. Sue okay. might be coming back. Might be. That's the question. But we, we, talk, we talking about right now. But, but, he ain't there yet. All right. He ain't signed you're right, yet. You're right. He ain't there. Um, now, Tampa Bay weakness is their secondary. But well, they secondary did get better. It got better, but, but and them, a lot of them guys are young, like yeah, Winfield. Yeah, Winf- no, Win- I'm fine with Winfield. I'm talking about Jamal Dean and, 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 and Carlton thing with Carlton Jones. But boy, listen, they, you can make they, plays. You can make plays got, with them. But they got better. They, they get better. better. All them guys are young. Yeah, I, all, I like. All I, them guys I, are young. I love Winfield. I love Winfield. I love the way he plays. I like, I like Whitehead. Whitehead can play. You know what but I'm saying? It, but it's to me, it's it's, it's Dean. And Jones, those two guys give up plays. So, but to I'm me, they, their secondary is a question mark. Shaq nah. Barrett, nah. Devontae Davis, Front seven is a, is a whole nother end. Front seven is a whole nother end. That's seven, sick, no? That's, that's, that's deadly. Their front seven sick. is deadly. I'm just, I'm just it's deadly. Nah, I'm saying seven down, G. I'm talking about the last four, question marks. Okay? Now, in Buffalo, there ain't no question marks in the secondary. Tredavious, 
uh, uh, Michael Hyde, Port, listen, all pros. Okay? No question marks there. Now, even their D-line. And, and they signed Von Miller. They, they got Von Miller. You got, you got uh, uh, what that is, Ed, Ed, Ed Oliver. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Mario Davidson signed with somebody else. But they D-line. They got, could, they got Hughes. Hughes. Yeah, so between them and Buffalo, flip a coin. You, you don't put the rounds in there still? No, you don't got no. No, because, oh, no, wow, no. Wow. No. Wow. No. The finished Super Bowl champion. Not, they de- not their defense. Wow, why not? Well. How, how did they win the game? Against the Bengals in the Super Bowl, how yeah. did it end? They got they got they got pass rush. They got they got sacks. So let me ask you a question. Well, one of those guys and, and, and look, one of those guys was still good before Von Miller left. I mean, before Von Miller got there, that uh, defense was still good. Yeah, but he had an impact in that in that playoff run. He did. Okay, I'm not I'm not, I'm not disputing that, but he, I'm saying he's in Buffalo. Don't act like that defense still not going to be elite. No, we're not saying they're not going to be elite. What I'm saying is that when you talk about on the D line, mm-hmm. you got, obviously we have the the the, the first ballot over there. And Aaron Donald. Mm-hmm. Now, when we get past Aaron Donald, they got good players, but are they cornerstones to the defense? Nah, we don't know. They good. Still got Leonard Floyd. Leonard Floyd can play. Leonard Floyd's really good. I said, you I said, got, I said, I said, I said, D-line. in the middle. Yeah, Gaines and, and Leonard Floyd, which is linebacker, right? Okay, cool. No problem. Just saying. You taking Leonard Floyd over to Mario? Leonard Floyd is, a, is an edge. Uh, of course, he's an outsider. So, uh, right. That's, that's two different positions. Of course. What I'm saying is, they both play linebacker. Mm-hmm. Now, they play, they play two different positions, linebacker, but. When I'm talking about the Rams defense, right? We already know the other corner and, and with Williams over there. Mm-hmm. I, I think he signed somewhere else. We know he was burning unit. You know you could get, you, you can make as many plays as you want. He giving up every first down and every touchdown. So we don't know who's the opposite side of Jalen Ramsey. Now who the safeties are? Uh, I know they signed Eric Weddle. I don't know if he's coming back. I don't. Eric Weddle need to go, need to join yeah. the rest of. The, yeah, they got, they Eric Weddle need tell, to. They, they still got Taylor Rapp. A, no, a, a, Eric Weddle need to go join every guy who signed with the Lakers this year. Go home. You're retired. This is over with. It's over with. Join, join the retirees and, and go join the banana boat, man. Now, now look, now they signed Bobby Wagner, huh? Hey, I forgot about that. Bobby Wagner. I forgot saying, about like, him. The Rams going to still have I forgot elite about defense. him. I forgot about him. Still got elite defense. Yeah, yeah, though. That, that's now, now, see, now, now they're in the mix. <laughs> they're in the mix now. They're I, the I mix think, now. I personally the think, in the mix now. Yeah. the Bucks, yeah. the Saints, the Rams, the Bills. That's when you start talking about elite defenses, you got to put them in the mix. Yeah. And I think you got to put the Charges in there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Put the, the Charges in their there. problem is health. <laughs> their problem is health. Derwin, Derwin, um, Derwin James. James has inconsistent with health. Joey Bosa has inconsistent with health. Obviously, C.J. Jackson coming there is going to be a big, huge deal for them in their secondary. I like what they can do. Uh, for when I'm, my thing about them is that Kenneth Murray, what's happened with him? <clears throat> I mean, I was high on him with Me the Saints. Too. Me too. I was high on Kenneth Murray. He's kind of like been an invisible shelf in his Me defense. Me personally, I thought that Kenneth Murray was, should be playing Mike Linebacker. They got him playing the wheel. Kenneth Murray, I think he would be flourishing in, in, in the NFL, NFL right now. Under Mike. Mike. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like when we had uh, Stephon Anthony. Yeah, we had him at Mike Flourish. Boy had over hundred tackles. Put him at so put him put him at will. You don't even know he on the field. Yeah. So you know, it's all about the situation. It's, I think that's what's going on with Kenny Murray. I'm just like, man, I was so hot. I was dead <laughs> set on drafting Kenny Murray that yeah. draft. I was like, man, he he just became an invisible factor in this defense. I'm like, what what's going on with this guy? I mean, it's I don't think it's him. I just think that it's it's how he's being used. Yeah. But the Chargers defense does have all the personnel. The question is, it comes down to the health of their star, their star players. Joey Bosa, Duran James, and certain other guys on that defense, their, their, their durability has been questioned. And that's why I can't put the Chargers there. And obviously, I don't know how C.J. Jackson is going to 
impact that defense. I know he's a heck of a zone cornerback, and I know he can make a lot of plays, but I got to see it on their defense. But back to what Brandon Barber said, nobody in the league has has the combination of coverage and pass rush that Saints potentially have on defense. That part I can kind of I can agree with. I mean, the Bills up there, man. The Bills are up there. Especially that, with them drafting that. Elam from Florida. Florida, yeah. You put him opposite side of, of Tredavious White, White and, and the Bills' safety play will hide them. And then <laughs> you bring Von Miller to the mix with Ed Oliver and the guys and Hughes. The Bills got pass rushers along with a back end. You know what I mean? And now, then, not to mention they drafted the kid out of Miami last year, the defensive end. They drafted two yeah, defensive yeah, last year. Uh, uh, he, was the, he, was the high, he was the best pass rush in the draft last year. Yes. I got his name, yeah. Uh, uh, I know they picked the first round last year out of Miami. I yeah. know that for a bunch right. of yeah. I can't pronounce yeah. I think it was Greg uh, something. Right. But they took him and they took another kid out of, out of Wake Forest last year. Yes, sir. I'm going to tell you this, though. If Davenport or Peyton Turner, one of them, if they can, if they can give us a consistent pass rush and stay healthy opposite side of Cam Jordan this year. Be a problem. The Saints defense might not give up over 14 points a game. They're going right. to be under a 14-point defense if them two can give us a pass rush consistently because that's what it's going to take. Because if you do that, now you get on your model right. and, 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 and Tuttle and all them boys in the inside getting one-on-one matchups, Bobby it's going to be a problem. Not the Mario getting free. Not, but not to mention – It's going to be a free blitzer. Not just oh that, but, but here's the thing I love about the Saints in this defense, but bringing Tyron Matthew in. Something that we have or something that we never really had. We Philly, we finally have that blitzing DB. Somebody you can line up on tight ends up, up front. Somebody, well, we got three guys like that now. No, nah, but he excels yeah. at this. Tyron Matthew, you can put this guy at the line of scrimmage. You can get him blocking, you know, get him on tight ends. You can put him on different guys at the line of scrimmage. But the way he can rush the quarterback – from a, the safety DB position, man, what you can do with Tyron Matthews, where you can line him up, where you can put him at. I'm excited about bringing him in here, not so much for him to be out there in coverage on, on 12 and 15 yards deep, but what he can really do 10 yards under in yeah. the turnovers, something that we've been ha- – we have something about our defense that we're great all around, but we've lacked that turnover machine guy. Mm-hmm. We haven't had to really have it. We haven't had that turnover season since that Super Bowl year with – Darren Sharper caught 10 interceptions, and we had all those turnovers that year. Tyron Matthews is going to be that guy in here who's going to bring that infectious turnover tenacity to this defense. That's something that's a skill set that he has. And that's why I like bringing him in here. This defense is one of the best defenses in football. And this is why I have them right now possibly to end up being the number one seed in the NFC after the, when the regular season is all said and done. I have them ranked that high. They could be the, now, I ain't talking Super Bowl talk. Super Bowl talk was – I'm going to start talking that when we get near the playoffs. But I'm talking about regular season. They have all the pieces. Now, especially if they can bring Sony Michelle and Jarvis Landry in here. They can bring Jarvis Landry and Sony Michelle in here. They have all the ingredients to be the number one seed in the NFC. Because you got to understand, the Packers take a step back. You that, you that confident in Pete Carmichael and Jameis Winston, huh? You got to be. You got you to get on board, G-Sports. You got to get on board. Especially if you bring Sonny Michelle in you here. You know Pete Carmichael never called plays before. He's going to start, start this year. Okay. You got to get on board. Okay. You got to understand. You know, you know Jameis Winston um, led the league in interceptions. That was two years ago, baby. And, and he's coming off an ACL injury. Okay. And Sean Payton's not there to hold him accountable to his decision making. You gotta, do know that, right? Got to have faith, Flair. Listen. Okay. Okay. Michael Thomas is coming back. See. Michael Thomas is coming back. 
We got out. We got. We we have. You know, Mister Hundred and Twenty Plus catches coming back, and then we have a rookie wide receiver. Now, I would love to add Jarvis Landry to this mix because he knows how to be a number two receiver lead, know how to be number one in the event somebody goes down. I, I love that idea. I want to bring it in here. You can bring Sonny Michelle in here. And the, obviously, when Alvin Kamara gets injured, you have somebody in there for six to eight games who could run up pro-style offense, and you could kind of move Sonny Michelle out and do a lot of different things. He's not Alvin Kamara by any means, mm-hmm. but he could, do, he could be a complimentary back yeah. for, for Mark Ingram until he, yeah. until he comes back. Yeah. So it keeps the offense being consistent and moving along. As long as this offense is still getting first downs and being able to – you got to mention, here's another part we're not even talking about. Will Lutz is back, baby. So those three points that we were shaking last year. That's a good point. Now, that's a good point. <laughs> He's back, baby. Not about Will Lutz. So those, that's an additional six points that you got to add to the scoreboard because Will Lutz going to knock it down. Brandon Barber, he's been making some real good points uh, on his show thus far. Bills got names, but their defense can be had. Man for man, nobody has outplayed the Saints defense. Their biggest weakness has been the Saints offense. That's a good point. Good but point. I, I, I kind of disagree with you about the Bills defense can be had. I know what happened against uh, Kansas City, you know, but don't forget, Tredavis White was not out there. So that, that played a big point. Pete, Bar- Pete Carmichael coordinated the number one offense in the league in 2012. So that was the year when Sean Payton was out for the year? Correct. Right. I don't, I don't remember how good our office was that year, though. I know we didn't make the playoffs. We didn't make the playoffs. I don't know how uh, good our office was. Drew may though. have thrown 5,000 yards, but their best offensive year was 2011. They, 2011 was their best offensive year when Drew went out here. That, the year Aaron Rodgers won MVP. Yeah. That was Drew Brees' best offensive year. And see, the year of 2012 – and I'm not trying to take nothing from Pete Carmichael. I actually forgot. That's a good point uh, Brandon Barman just made. We was down a lot that year. Of course. We had Jason so, Dave, so, Jason you know, Dave out there giving up points all day long. So, Matter of know, fact, that was the same year that we had we had Steve Spagnuolo as our D coordinator. Yeah. And it, know, that, that defense that was all the one of the worst defense when, ever. Yeah. So, I, I think those stats that year was a little misleading by, with our offense. A little patent. Yeah. little, little yeah, stat so patent. I, I don't know. Because that defense was the worst in NFL history that year. Yeah. Because yeah. Steve Spagnuolo gave up. I remember the Saints gave up 2,000 yards in like a full-game skid. We were like, yeah. what the hell going on here? Stanley Reed, the second said the Saints defense single-handedly may have won at least three games last year. Maybe more than it. Maybe more yeah. Listen, Maybe bro, more than it. we got to understand that Saints fans, um, the defense is the cornerstone of this team. They're going to go as far as the defense take them. We've been very fortunate to watch 15 seasons of excellent offense under Sean Payton. And Drew Brees. Obviously, toward the tail end of it, we started seeing some average offense. But for the most part, we've seen a lot of excellent offense under Sean Payton and Drew Brees. This hold is the defensive team. Hold on, hold on, Now, now, I got to correct you on this, Brandon. He said Pete Carmichael coordinated 2011 when Sean Payton broke his leg. Sean Payton was in the skybox. All right, he was in the boot. So, I, no, no, I can't, I can't give you that one, Brandon. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. When they hung 62 on Indy, and that Indy team was terrible. Terrible, terrible. So, I, I can't, I can't. Listen, I'm, I'm, I, regardless of all that, I don't care what you see. I'm concerned about Pete Carmichael. <laughs> I'm concerned. <laughs> and I have every right to be concerned. I'm very concerned. Man, I don't know. Man, it's, a lot, it's a big question man, mark. But first of all, Pete Carmichael. Him Car- added with Jameis Winston is two big question marks. Well, first of all, according to the head coaches that were hired this offseason, Pete Carmichael is a head coaching candidate. Based upon the guys that was high, I mean, Mike McDaniels and Cardinal plays over there in San Francisco. Got a job. Kevin O'Donnell. Kevin O'Donnell. I mean, Kevin O'Donnell. Uh, O'Donnell didn't call no plays in San Fran. Got a job. 
There's a lot of offensive coordinators who didn't call and plays, listen, became head coaches this year. Pete Carmichael is, is so highly regarded. Why he never got a head coaching job? He's been there since 2006. Yeah. Please answer that. Anybody. Somebody. I mean, Doug Marone was the first coordinator we had. He ain't caught no plays and got a head coaching job. <laughs> Why Pete Carmichael never got a job? Huh? You, you mean to tell me he was just cool with being Sean Payne's puppy all these years? Come on, man. It's something, it's something that we don't know. That man may love his job. He may love a parish in G-Sports. He may love a parish in. Probably, probably live in St. Charles Parish. Probably live in Destrian somewhere. Man may, man may love the kids and everything he brings yes, by the city. He got a lot of pressure on him, you hear me? <laughs> he will, listen, he going to be on a hot seat if this shit don't go right. Whew. He going to be on a hot seat quick. Well, and, and to, to that credit, because they did bring in some offensive coaches for that head coaching job, and I'm quite sure they already had in mind who they probably wanted to hire in Dennis Allen. They're probably trying to see if one of these guys was going to take a coordinator position. I know they brought in um, Doug Marone. I know they even brought in um, Doug Peterson. Probably trying to figure out one of them guys wanted to coordinate somewhere before they, before they got Doug the Peterson. job. Doug Peterson became the, the head coach of Jacksonville. I didn't, I didn't. They interviewed him? Yeah, they interviewed him. Huh? Interviewed him. We should have hired him then. <laughs> Somebody that's proven. <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> moving on, man. Listen, we're going to talk about a little about these draft picks, and we're going to get into some NBA football. G Sports, talking about the talking about the NFL draft. What player do you think is going to have an impact? What first round pick is going to have an impact on this draft this year coming in? Uh, your situation. Yeah, you know, I'm being with your yeah. situation, yeah. man. You know, just because you might be the best player in the draft, don't mean you're going to make. The biggest impact, you Agreed. know, as a, as a rookie, right? And so I'm big on that. Uh, and I always say, when you come into the league, or when you get into college football, high power five football, right? It's three positions. I feel like no matter where you go, the the situation shouldn't affect your play as much. All right, and that's running back, O line, and corner, right? Those three positions, I feel like you could pretty much go anywhere and still flourish if you're a good player, all right? And so <clears throat> the person I got might be being a little biased is Derek Stingley. I think Derek Stingley goes to the Texans this year and has the best year out of everybody in his, in his first round. You know, you go into a defensive-minded coach like Lovett Smith, mm-hmm. who coached a, 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 a team to a Super Bowl like the, like the Chicago Bears and understands. Charles Tillman and Nathan yeah, Vashon, yeah. them guys. Understands, <laughs> understands DB play. Um, I think Derek Stingley is going to flourish, and Lovey Smith is going to put him in, in the right position to be able to be in lockdown corner. But he, is he going to run zone or man? He's going to run both. Okay. He's going to switch it up. Lovey I got Smith going to switch it up. Got gotcha. you. He's going to switch it up, and he's going to let Stingley follow the number one. And so Smart. I think Derek Stingley – Regardless, you want to say I'm being biased or not, I think he has the best chance to make the most impact out of all the rookies in in his first round. Listen, I, I have two guys, but I'm gonna start with my my primary one. To me, it's the 13th overall pick is Jordan Davis. And let me tell you why. You go into a situation where he the opposing offensive lines that he's about to terrorize in the NFC East. Mm-hmm. Let's start off with the Cowboys. Now, we were talking five years ago, we talked one of the best offensive lines in football with, with Zach Martin and, and uh, Trevor um, Fredrickson um, mm-hmm. and uh, Tyron, Tyron Smith and Lionel Collins. But are they gone? <laughs> the Cowboys are in shambles when it comes to the O-line. They are in shambles. 
I don't see nobody up here stopping this guy Jordan Davis up front. Let's go to the Washington Commanders. Who's blocking for them? And Carson Wentz is known for taking sacks. That's all he does is take sacks. Mm-hmm. He holds onto the ball extremely too long. He's going to terrorize the commander's O-line. Then let's get to the last but not least, the New York Giants. Yeah, you draft the line Evan Neal. But he plays tackle. Right. Let's talk about up front. Who's, gonna, who, who's the guards in the centers? We don't know. Why? Because Shaquan Barkley can't get no holes anyway. He didn't even address it. This guy's going to barbecue chicken these old lines for years to come. Starting off this year, they have no impact on how they're going to stop I him. wouldn't disagree with you because <laughs> I thought Jordan Davis, in my opinion, I thought he was the he was my favorite player in the draft, like especially that went in the first round. Right. I thought Jordan Davis was that guy. Right. But it's just going to depend on how they plan on using him in their scheme. And that plays a big part into a D-lineman's success. Right. So – Depending on how they're using, that's going to determine his success. Yes, but to me, when you when I look at those three teams, they have to try to figure out the way to run the ball, and that's something they're not good at. Obviously, Cowboys got to try to figure out how to run the ball with, with Zeke and Pollard. Obviously, you still have Shaquan in New York. <clears throat> the guys try to figure out how to get some production out of Shaquan Barkley, and then they still got to figure out how to get some production out of Antonio um, Gibson mm-hmm. over, over there in, in, in Washington. So I see Jordan Davis just – demolishing these O-lines, especially up front in the guard and tackle position. To me, he's going to have the biggest rookie year of all these guys. After him, it to me, is Traylon Burks. And the only reason I have Traylon Burks sliding and having a big impact rookie year is because he's the, only, he's the only receiver drafted to me in the first round where he they already have a design role of how he's going to be used. It's not fictionary. He's going to be used identically <clears throat> to how A.J. Brown was used in terms of where he's going to line up, how they want him and, to play. And he was my favorite uh, receiver. And he was your draft. favorite receiver in this draft. So to me, he gets drafted to the situation where, you know what? Listen, we already, we already know how to use you. We've used a player like you for the past three years. He's coming in here with a fixed job. He's not coming in here really to learn how to be, you know, something that he probably isn't. Mm-hmm. He's not coming in here trying to figure out how, you know, what's his skill set? Let, what, what, can he do this? Can he do that? No. They're going to use him identically in the same way. So those are my two guys in the, in the first round who are going to have an impact. It's Traylon Burke because of his situation. They already know how they're going to use him. And Jordan Davis because the old lines in the NFC are the worst in football. <laughs> is what it is. He's going to dominate. Now, sticking to the draft before we get up move forward. Which team had the best draft? Man, it was a lot of teams that I thought did really good in this draft, man. Uh, you know, a lot of good teams. If I had to name a few, the Eagles, the Jets, the Giants, and the Titans, um, I thought, you know, those four teams did a really, really good job, you know, with, with their draft. You know, let's, let's just start off with the Giants, right? Right. You know, you ain't got Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon. You know what I'm saying? He's pro- he's the best pass rusher in this draft. I know they, uh, uh, the Lions took Aiden Hutchinson, and I know the Jaguars took Walk out of Georgia. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I think if Kayvon Thibodeau doesn't have the injury concern, he's the best. He's the best pass rusher. He he probably goes one. So you right. got you got him. Then you got Evan Neal, who I thought was the best offensive lineman in the draft. You got him at number at number two. Then you went got uh, um, Wardell Robinson mm-hmm. from Kentucky. Really, really good. Good value pick right there. Cordell Flott. Cordell Flott. Let me tell y'all something. 
if you don't know about these DBs that come from LSU, from under Corey Raymond when he was there, mm-hmm. these guys flourish in the league. <laughs> Whether they're a fourth-round pick, fifth-round pick, sixth-round pick, they always flourish. Yeah. Cordell Fly is going to have a really good career. Has those long arms. And one of the knocks on him was, was he needed to uh, add some weight. And he gained like 15 pounds right. since the season right. uh, up until his pro day. So I think Cordell Fly is going to have a really, really good year. Um, and the rest of their draft picks, man, they just, they just addressed a lot of needs, you know, uh, for this draft. So I, I expect the Giants to have a, 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 a huge – Right. Um, turnaround this year but with their picks. And then the Giants. I mean, then the Jets. Jet, that, that's my pick. Yeah, then we got Sauce Garner, you know, at, 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 the, at the number four overall. You got Garrett Wilson, who, you know, a lot of the analysts had the, the best receiver in the draft. Yeah. Jermaine Johnson from Florida State. I thought Jermaine Johnson should have got picked way higher. higher. You know, how he fell all the way to number 26, I have no Beyond idea. Beyond me. I don't know. And then you ain't got the best running back, back in the draft. draft. <laughs> in the second round. <laughs> so, the Jets did the, a really good job. It's the Jets hands yeah, down man. to me. And then we got Max Mitchell from UL, who I'm really familiar with. Yep. I thought he was a, that, that was a really, really they, good they, pick. A, a day three pick. Yeah. And if you don't, and if you haven't been keeping up with UL over the last couple of years, You're blind. They, they've been putting up a lot, putting out a lot You're of blind. good offensive linemen in the draft. You're blind. So, I, I, I think that uh, – it's the, the Jets, Jets. Did, a, did a really good job. And then when you talk about the Titans, you alluded to, you know, getting Traylon Burks. Burks. You replaced him with uh, – you, you replaced you Traylon Burks with A.J. Brown. Over A.J. Brown. Brown. I like that. Then you got Roger McCreary out of Auburn. A lot of people had him going top 15, top 20 in the draft during the season. During the season. I don't know how he fell all the way to 35, but, hey, it is what it, it is. is. Then you got Malik Willis, a <laughs> huge upside quarterback like that in the third round that could play behind Tannehill – Learn, even though Tannehill came out and said he don't want mentoring. But, hey. I, I can't blame him. But, hey. Can't blame is, him. Look. It can't is blame what, him. It is what it is. <laughs> then you got ha- uh, Hassan Haskins right. from Michigan. Michigan. You got him, too. The Titans did a hell, hell of a, a job. job. Then you went address your offensive line, too. We're getting the kid, uh, Nicholas Petit Freer, out of Ohio State. So, the Titans did a hell of a job in his draft. Uh, addressing these, getting some value, value picks, and getting good picks later on in the rounds. So I, you know, I think when you talk about those teams, you just look at them and say you go. And the Titans are already a playoff team. Correct. They going they gonna be even better this year. But my number one team that had the best drive out of them all is the Philadelphia Eagles. Partly because you traded some picks and you got AJ Brown. Right. So now you add AJ Brown to he's part of your draft to Rager. Yep. If Rager can stay healthy and Devontae Smith, Smith and Go- and, Go- and Goddard at tight end yep. and Miles Sanders at running back. Now, you talk about question marks at quarterback. Man. That's the question mark at quarterback over there. It is, but, you know, they they high on – They're high on Jalen Hurts. Um, then you went got – you went to Drush Center, you know, getting Cam Jurgens from Nebraska. Yeah. And then you got N'Kobe Dean. Dean. <laughs> In the third round, <laughs> listen. Everybody, how he falls there? Well, they said something about it. He, he, something with his physical. He, he had he had some showing up with one of his injuries. But listen, Nicole Dean, Dean is a stud. <laughs> stud. God damn! Stud. I mean, he's a super stud. ninja. <laughs> stud. So you got you know. I thought they, they addressed some good good needs for them. I think the Eagles might have a chance to win that division over the Cowboys. I I don't disagree. Uh, if the, if they can – if you talk about question marks at quarterback, man, if they could really get Jalen Hurts, whatever system they're going to use. Obviously, to me, he's an RPO quarterback. But whatever you do with Jalen Hurts, man, if you can get Jalen Hurts to start complete more passes and doing more things in this offense, if he could ever become what I would call a true starter quarterback, meaning that season in, season out, he's your guy, mm-hmm. 
with A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Rager. I, I'm not sold on their running backs. This, this I like Miles Sanders. I like Miles Sanders, but like I'm Miles not Sanders excited about Miles Sanders. I don't think Miles Sanders is a guy you, you know, to me he's interchangeable. You know what I mean? And it doesn't make him a bad player. I just think that they don't have a, a down by, they don't have a down by, they don't have a feature back. Right. To me, Miles Sanders is really, he's a, he's a, he's a step higher than the third down back, but I got him in my Tony Pollock role in terms of backs, but he's, he's better than him. That makes sense. Um, to me, they still have, there's a question mark there. At tight end, they solid. They're not, they, don't, they don't have no Pro Bowl tight end, but they're solid there. If Jalen Hurts can really put it all together for them, the Philadelphia Eagles, to me, is it, the team to beat in the NFC East. That defense is going to be stout. I'm telling you now, Jordan Davis, he's going to wreak havoc in all these old lines in the NFC East. The Dallas Cowboys old lines are atrocious. So goes along the Washington Commanders. And the, obviously, Evan Neal is going to do a tremendous help to this Giants offense, but that's on the outside. I'm talking about up the middle. <laughs> Listen, it's going to be havoc with him and Dean on that defense going moving forward for seasons to come. I'm excited about the Philadelphia Eagles and what they've done because you have to add A.J. Brown to their draft in terms of yeah. grading. You yeah. have to add yeah. that. And so Terry Jones said the Saints get an end the draft. Right, I think you're going to look B plus. You want to look B plus. They ain't dressed the running back or the tight end position. Right. Now Zach Ertz still out there, no? Hey, I'm all for it, baby. I'm all for it. You know he don't catch he don't catch passes from Kyler Murray no more. He want to move on from Arizona. I love me some Zach Ertz. I take it over 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 Mr. Drop Mr. Drop a lot. Yeah, I'm over. I, I take Zach Ertz any day. Zach Ertz could come in here, and I don't need Zach Ertz to come out here at 70, 80. And I, I know at one season he had over hundred catches. Right. I don't need Zach Ertz to come do that, baby. I just need Zach Ertz to come in here and be consistent. He ain't got to come in here and make these acrobatical catches of plays. 50 catches will do. Just need to be consistent and being able to play. Give me 12 or 13 games, baby. And playoffs. Because we're getting there. You know, that's just my position. He don't need to come out here and be no all pro and all this other stuff. Them days are behind you. 50 catches, stay healthy. Make sure <clears throat> be, be be the window, be the 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 dump off that Jamie's Winston needs. Where all fails, I can go here or Michael Thomas. If he could come in here and be that, I'm all for it. But moving on, we got a lot going on in the NBA G Sports. A lot of things grabbing people's attention. All the all the peons are gone for right now. All your my, my Pelicans are gone, the Nets are gone, you know the Hawks are gone. All those the, the Denver Nuggets are gone. All all them are gone. We getting to the nitty gritty. Second round. We're going to start this off right. We're going to start uh, this thing all right. <laughs> uh, let, let's get this popping. Ja Moran, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole, Draymond Green, Dylan Brooks, Jared Jackson. We're going into game three, baby. Do you think the Memphis Grizzlies can pull off the upset, and yes, it will be an upset if the Memphis Grizzlies win this series, folks. I don't care if the Golden State Warriors are the third seed. It'll be an upset. Do you think the Memphis Grizzlies pull off this upset after that spectacular performance in John Morant in game two? Do, do, they, go to, do they go to San Francisco <clears throat> and steal a game and take it back down to Memphis, or do they go out there and win two games, or do they go out there and lay an egg? 
I do think they're going to win another game in this series, mm-hmm. but they're going to lose in this six. Woo-hoo. The Warriors, it's just, they are too good. Um, you know, what John Moran did on the other night, scoring 47 points, eight rebounds, eight assists, he has to play like that. Every night. To win a game. And I could see him getting a, another performance like that. And they still only won by five points. And so Dylan Brooks probably going to be suspended for next game. They haven't came out and said it yet. I got to figure he'll be suspended. Yeah. I got to figure he'll be suspended. Yeah, but I, I just think that, that the Warriors are just too good. Um, they just have too many people you have to worry about. Uh, you know, you know when you talk about trying to contain Jordan Poole, Klay Thompson, Steph Curry, Wiggins, it's just too much that you have to concern yourself with when you're trying to match up with them guys. Right. And, you know, Clay, even, Clay hasn't even really played good. No, he's not playing good at all. And I can, att- I can listen, and I can tell you right now, when he get back to San Francisco, <laughs> he's like a whole different player. <laughs> all right? Love what John Moran is doing. Uh, I think John Moran is showing people that he is like that and that he was worthy of that number two pick. And maybe he should have been picked over Zion, like I said way back then. And you could pull a taste back, pull it, go ahead and look at the archives. Huh? <laughs> okay. Um, but they just don't have enough, all right? Uh, lack of experience. Um, love the energy that they're playing uh-huh. with at home and, and the excitement. This was what playoff basket, basketball is uh, all about. about. But can but, we get some traveling call? Can we get some the, the Karen and traveling? No, no, you're not calling Karen on John Morant. <laughs> John Morant. Nobody came to the game to watch these guys in the striped shirts called, called, called traveling and, and all that. Let John Morant keep doing what he do. Now, it can't be excessive. Can't let him get too excessive with it. We're not calling that on him. All right? But John Morant is putting everybody on notice. Listen, once he gets a consistent jump shot. Yeah. And, I mean, he hit five threes on the other night. But once he can do that consistently, game in and game out, John Moran's going to be an MVP in his league at some point in his career. Yeah. That's the only thing he needs to put into his game to make people say, okay, he doesn't have any deficiencies. And what he did the other night, scoring 47 points, going 15 for 30 from the field, that's 50%. And and, and hitting five threes with the eight assists and eight rebounds and only two turnovers – you let me know that you're on your way to being an MVP at some point in his career. Yeah. Um, but, you know, who the Warriors, they just have too much. I mean, Steph, Steph ain't letting these people lose. No. They ain't, <laughs> they ain't letting, they gonna, look, the next two games in San Francisco, they're going to put a wall up on John Moran, and they're going to force him to kick that out to somebody and make somebody else beat him and shoot all jump shots. And if John Moran can't knock them jumpers down like he did, in game, game two, two. they're going to lose them two games in San Francisco. So, I, like I said, I got, I got the Warriors winning this series 4-2. Now, Brandon Barber says, if Clay keeps struggling, Grizzlies can't take this series. Clay ain't going to keep struggling. <laughs> and, look, they don't, need, they don't need Clay to go crazy. They just need him to score about 18 Team. to 20. Jordan Poole going to give you 20. Yeah, he going to give you 20. Not they're going to give you about 30. And, and, and the problem is, and, a- Andrew Wiggins got to give you 15 to 7. Exactly. <laughs> so, so they good. They don't need Clay to – this ain't, this ain't the, the Warriors team from, from years ago Yo. before they got Kevin Durant. Clay ain't got to score 25, 30 points. If he can get 18 or 20, man, they fine. He can't score 12. No, right. That's what he scores at a night. He can't score can't, 12. Can't do that. Now, Tarek Jones says this. It will be a com- complete upset if Memphis get past the Warriors. He also says Memphis does not have enough to beat the Warriors. The Warriors – or too experienced. Yep. Um, now, Brandon Barman says this, Zion is better than Ja, 
But Ja is way more mature as a person slash player. Love the way he plays too. I, I gotta disagree. I gotta disagree with that. I gotta disagree. Listen, Zion Williamson is a hell of a talent. He's, and I, I actually think he's gonna be an all-star caliber player once he's get once he gets healthy. Right. I I I don't imagine and I don't anticipate Zion ever being an MVP candidate or MVP of this league. I don't ever see that happening. John Morant will be an MVP. It's coming. It I, might be next year, could be the year after, but he's going to get an MVP in his bag before it's all said. That I don't see that with Zion. I don't see Zion um, being able to impact the game like John Morant. Why? Because John Morant always has the ball in his hand. Zion is the type of player that he doesn't. He's not really skillful. Correct. Correct. So when, you, when you're not really skillful <laughs> like that, he's a, he's a talent, but he's not he's a, a talent. He's, he's an athletic talent. He's an athletic talent. And and so is John Morant. Right. John Morant is an athletic talent, but John Morant does so many other things. He he's a good, a really good facilitator. He can rebound. He's a good leader. He plays good defense, and his jump shot is coming along. And he like the spin move he put on on a. Uh, was it Joy Poole? Poo. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Come on, man. Listen. John Morant, I'm telling you right now, he is going to be an MVP before it's all said and done. Well, I'll be forward with G Sports. If he wouldn't have had the injuries that he had this season, and to Memphis credit, they won the games without him. But if John Morant don't miss the games that he missed in the regular season, he's the MVP this year. He's my MVP this year if he wouldn't miss the games. Ooh, I don't know if I'd give it to him over Embiid. I would have given it to him over Embiid if he'd have missed it. If, if, if he wouldn't have missed the amount of games he missed, and to Memphis' credit, they won, the, they won a bunch of those games without him being in the lineup. But if John ja Morant would have played seven games this year, there's no other MVP. He is the MVP of the league. The difference is he played like, ah, I think what it's like 50-something regular season games. Yeah. It's, it's not enough. It's not enough to win that award. Yeah. It's just not. It's, it's not enough to win it because it's disrespectful to the guys that came before him that won the award. It took a lot. Yeah. So and it's and it's not fair to the guy who put on a great performance this regular season. So if he had to play seventy to seventy five games this year, he would be my MVP. It's difficult to say that by Zion Williamson. He's a genera- he's a generational talent. He's a he's a athletic talent. Mm-hmm. But in terms of skill set and and how this game is being played, John Moran's a better player. And I get it. We all want to see Zion Williamson do well. We all want to see Zion Williamson get all the accolades that he think he can do. But right now, John Morant's a better player. Yep. It is what it is. Yep. It, it is what it is. I'm not – no. So you got, the, you got the Warriors winning the series. Warriors winning the series. Warriors winning the six. To me, uh, Memphis finds a way to win the game, but the Memphis problem is going to come down to is For the life of me, I can't see how why Memphis is not out-rebounding the Warriors. It's beyond my thinking. Um. The Warriors come out to hit with these small lineups with Wiggins and 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 Draymond Green playing the four and the five, and you would think they would just out rebound. You think Memphis would just out rebound the Warriors, and it's not happening. Right. To me, Dylan Brooks is the second best scorer. To me, he's going to be out, for, possibly out for Game Three. It's 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 too tough for me to see that Memphis in action, John Moran, to go out here and drop forty plus points a night against a three headed monster in Jordan Poole. Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. Klay Thompson is not going to continue to have this kind of game she's having. It's going to come around. Especially at home. Especially at home in San Francisco. Thank God he's not playing the Oracle. (laughs) (laughs) Listen. Listen, he's not going to continue to be that way. Now, is Klay Thompson the same guy that we used to watch prior to his ACL injuries? No, not this season. Yeah. I think it's going to take this season here and the offseason 
benefit for him to get back to some form of what we used to see. But as of right now, he's still a threat on that basketball court. I can't expect Ja Morant to go out here and beat, beat this team. They're too experienced. They've been to five NBA finals with three guys on that team. Really four with Ingo Dollar, but he's not playing. It's too tough for me to see Memphis surpassing them. At some point in time, if Dylan Brooks is not able to go out there and support Ja Morant in the scoring department, you, you expect, what, what is Bain mm-hmm. to come out there and do it? Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain? Who's good, been having a really good year. Having a phenomenal year. Really, to me, overachieved in, in terms of production. But I can't expect that from him. I can't expect him to take on the torch of being the second best scorer on that team. Jaren, I feel like Jaron Jackson is the key. He Jaren is. Jaron Jackson would have to really, really step it up a whole other level. Whole level. For them to have a chance to win this series. And, uh, you know, he's been having an average series so far in his first two games. And, I mean, like the other night, man, I mean, he he, he was like three for 12. He's, I think he scored 12, but 12 points, but the majority of his points came in the free throw line. He has to step his game up a whole other level for the, the, the Grizzlies to have a shot. You know, John Morant. If you think that he gonna score forty points from here on out and win this series, you ain't lost your damn your mind. mind. You ain't lost your mind. You ain't lost your mind. I can't. I can't expect you to do have that. Captain. And if he does, at some point in time, with the one of his performances is not gonna outperform a Steph Curry performance or Jordan Poole performance. One of those performances that he might have, he's gonna have somebody on the other side that's gonna <clears> match him. And I can promise you this: is, is, is any game, any game from now. Clay gonna go crazy. Yep. <laughs> I don't know what game it's gonna be. Right. One of these games he's gonna go crazy. Well, he's gonna go six foot nine from three point range <laughs> and eleven for something from the field. And he's gonna score 30 some points. And he's gonna be saying, damn, like the Grand Canyon. Yeah, shoot the ball like, in. <laughs> it's just gonna happen. It's just gonna happen. And so that's the thing I'm looking at and I'm saying to myself, that that's where the problem is gonna come in at. Memphis is gonna run out of gas. And it's not their fault. They just gotta address some things in the offseason. Dylan Brooks got to be more consistent, got to gotta play better basketball. Can't afford this in the playoffs. Can't afford the kind of, these kind of plays. And they got to find somebody on their team who could be the third wheel. <clears throat> in terms of picking up the points, night after night, this is their job. And when Memphis figures that part out, then sky's the limit. Yep. But until then, it ain't going to happen. They're done. Give them a six. Now, moving on over to the East, because I'm not too much. We, we know Dallas is done. Dallas is not going to make that a series. I don't want to talk about Dallas. Well, we know the 76ers is done. They're done. They, they done. Look at fucking them. James Harden, you're done. What, what, what was up with your boy over there? What's up with Harden, man? What's up, what's up with Harden? I told y'all. What's up with Harden, man? I just looked at some memories that came up on my on my Facebook. Now I'm in relay. And I said this back in 2019 that James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Russell Westbrook <laughs> and Carmelo Anthony <laughs> cannot play on my team because <laughs> they don't play winning basketball. I know they don't have Embiid, but even the last, what, 12 games of the season, 14 games of the season, when Embiid was playing, the Sixers was looking bad. Yep. They were looking, they were looking trash. Yep. And James Harden is a big part of that. James Harden is not a winner. I'm sorry. He Look, he still can get you some buckets here and there. Right. But he is nowhere near the James Hart from Houston. No, he's so not. So you, you combine that he, Father Thomas Carter with him because he doesn't take care of his body. Right. And he doesn't play winning, and he does not play winning basketball. Listen, the tell of tip was when Terrence Maxey went sat Tyrese. down, Tommy Maxey sat down, and <laughs> and James Hart sat next to him. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> he got up and walked over there <laughs> and went sat down. I was like, they done. They done. He don't want no part of him. Yep. He don't want him on his team. 
He don't want him in the building. <coughs> he don't want him nowhere around here. What we had going on in his mind, we should have made this trade. I'd rather have Ben Simmons sitting on the sidelines, looking, trying to you know be, being fashion over over here. Listen, <laughs> he don't want him nowhere around him. And when you got that, and that was obvious. That happened. That wasn't somebody had to go try to figure that out. No, everybody saw that. When you have that kind of stuff going on on the sidelines on the team. <clears throat> That's not something that Doc Rivers. Cameras catching everything. Yeah, that's not something that Doc Rivers gonna go ahead and fix. No, this is they're done. You can stick a fork in them. They'd be lucky if they win a game. Sure. And, and it's not because the Heat is a, a high power team. You do I have them making the finals? It's not because they're a high power offensive team. Happen. We'll see. Won't happen. Now, whoever won out this Bucks and Celtics. Talk about these Bucks and these Celtics. Talk about these Bucks and Celtics. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Listen. Talk about these Bucks and Celtics. One-one split. Going back to Milwaukee, um, still no Chris Middleton. <clears throat> I was very surprised how Boston was able to hit the three ball the other night. They made a lot of threes. Yep. You 20. Know, 20 of them. Absurd amount. 60 points. <laughs> Absurd amount of threes from Boston. I don't think Boston can maintain that. Um, <clears throat> obviously, you know, they get they get what, Robert Williams back. Uh, I mean, he played last game. He played last game. Um Giannis is still finding his way. Could do what he want to do. One of the best players in the world. Um, but they really miss missing Chris Middleton. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, if, if Chris Middleton isn't able to come back at some point in time for the Milwaukee Bucks, it could be too late. Yep. The Milwaukee Bucks don't have the additional firepower to maintain and play with Boston. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, this tandem here, buddy, and and. And to I, think they were thinking about trading one of them. I was I about to, that was my position. Wow, that was my position. Wow, and, and I'm wrong. I'm wrong because that would be the worst mistake you can make. This tandem here, we're watching what P, PG thirteen and Kawhi and Leonard should look like. What they should look like. It's those two guys, and there's nothing stopping these two guys right now in the basketball court. They can get any shot they want. Any shot. There's nothing. But they put Grayson out on the floor. But you get him yeah. off me. <laughs> Barbecue chicken. There's not a there's not a spot on that floor that Tatum and Brown can get to. And there's not a spot on that floor that they're not willing to not just take the shot, but put the ball in the hoop. These two guys are playing lights out there, playing out of their mind. And the supporting cast for me. For, for the Celtics, where I question things at, especially on the road, you get some, you get a drop off in production from Grant Williams. You get a drop off in production from Al Horford. If they can still maintain some production from those guys like they get from home on the road, then I don't see Milwaukee winning another game without without Chris Middleton. But Boston Celtics, man, you could to, for me pencil them in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Miami Heat, and they're gonna figure out they're gonna duke it out. Because Milwaukee yeah. right now is coming up short. Yeah, they definitely need Chris Middleton if they want to win this series. <clears throat> you know, they was able to pull it out. And game one, just because they shot the ball at such a high clip, and the Celtics couldn't make a shot. Right, they couldn't um, make a But Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, what's impressive about them two is they both deferred to each other at the right times. Right. That's what I like. That's something that Kyrie and, and Kevin, Kevin Durant, Durant just couldn't figure out. You know, Tatum does a good job of knowing, look, all right, this possession, this is me right here. I got mm-hmm. a good matchup. Yeah. Okay, you know what, Jalen, Jalen, you ain't touched it in two possessions. Let's get you going, mm-hmm. all right? And then both of them will even say, you know what, 
let me kick it to Horford. Yep. And when Marcus Smart in the lineup, right. they'll kick it to Marcus Smart and make that extra pass. That's why the Celtics are playing at such a high level and why they had the best record in the NBA since January the 3rd because they play good winning team basketball. And Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown understands when to be a killer and when to defer. And that's why they, they gonna, they're going to they gonna win this series if Chris Middleton don't come back. Uh, what I think the Bucks got to do, man, I think they just got to get more out of people like Wesley Matthews. Yeah. Right? You got to get more of, you got to get more out of Brooke Lopez. It's right? I think uh um Bobby Porter has been playing pretty good. Yeah. Serviceable. Yeah, but you got to get more out of Wesley Matthews. Not saying Wesley Matthews got to go out and score 18, 20 points, but you got to get about 10 or 12 from him. Yeah. All right. Brooke Lopez, you got to get about 10 or 12 from him. All right. And he got to be able to stretch the defense. He didn't hit a single three last game. Right. And one of the things that he does well is stretches it's, 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 the defense. It's, 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 yep. Because he can shoot at a he high, high level. level. Clip. But he, he he only hit one shot <sighs> in game two. Can't cut it. <clears throat> you know? Can't uh, cut it. You know, Serge Ibaka, I, I thought he would have more of a role. He doesn't have no role in his, in in his team. series. I just thought he None. would have more of a role. He played pretty good throughout the regular season and in the first round of, of the playoffs, but he has not have a, had a role. Grayson Allen, I mean, he only had five points. That ain't going to cut ain't it. Cut it. You have to get some scoring from Grayson Allen, uh, Ibaka, Brooke Lopez, Wesley Matthews to make up the scoring from Chris Middleton. If you don't get that, you might lose 4-1. You might lose 4-1. You might. Oh, maybe Giannis can get him one more. Maybe. But I just love the way the Celtics are playing. I mean, they held the Bucks to 86 points. And we talking about their offense, but the damn defense, defense. so damn good. And we talking about that without Marcus Smart on the floor. Marcus Smart on the floor. <laughs> and that, that was, you know, man. But, you know, just to go back to, to, to Jalen Brown and Tatum, I think you look at – any shot on the floor, I think, I think you're starting to look at, you know, one of the most formidable tandems <laughs> in the NBA. I, and they young. They young. They young. So whatever Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens got to do to keep these this this this, this tandem together, they got to do it because they are something to be reckoned with, and they and they they're not selfish players. They're a problem. They can get their own bucket at any given time, and they understand flow. They understand ball movement. They understand shot selection. They just understand how to play the game. And Yudoka has a has a he plays a big part into that. Correct. Which I think he should be a candidate for for Coach of the Year. Because he's done be. a phenomenal job with his team. So the Celtics, man, they're going to be something to be reckoned with. Um, I hope Chris Middleton comes back so we can see the Bucks at full throttle. And and now we're not saying, well, the Celtics only made it because Chris Middleton was out. out. Right. I would say this, to the, to, the, to the Celtics' credit, when you look at Tatum and Brown, you look at their size, it allows them to play. Listen, th- those two guys can go one through the four. Now, they probably can't go to superstar four like Giannis. Right. But they can go one through four, both of them. That's what makes the Bucks so dangerous. I mean, Marcus Smart be going to run through four. I mean, can't go to superstar four. You know, he, I'm not going to go out there and actually go guard a healthy Anthony Davis. Right. But a guy who puts a ball on the floor, I could put Marcus Smart. It's the way they can do it. They're not undersized. Grant Williams could go out there and go one through five. Probably not a – a point guard, but if you do some pick and rolls, Grant Williams gonna hold his own. Listen, it's the way the Bucks, it's the way the Celtics play it. I'm like, dog, this is, this is crazy, this is crazy. And when Tatum and Brown is cooking the way they cooking, like I said, they could get any shot they want, and there's not nothing a player in this league can do about it. The question is, can the other guys around them? The only thing that Boston don't really have on their team, and it kind of scares me 
what do you buy? Do you buy? I have the, the Miami Heat beating them. They don't have no 3 and D guys, meaning that when the ball moves around, they don't have guys who can really hit open shots. Grant Williams. He can do it, but Grant Williams. He can do Grant it, but Williams. he's not a. Uh, Grant Williams. Grant, Grant Williams. can do it, but he's not the. Uh, Grant Williams. Grant Williams. And Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart could do it. Grant Williams too. Grant Grant's inconsistent at it. He, he, he he's sporadic. Mm-mm. Some Grant. games you get you like yeah, just some games you're like ah. Uh. Grant Williams has had a really good year this year. Oh, he's had a hell of a year. But really he's not my – he's still a D guy to me. He's not a 3 and D guy Man, yet. He Grant can Will- hit some threes, Grant but Will- he's not a 3 and D. on that team. On that team, but he's not a, one of the best shooters in, in, in basketball. He ain't got to be one of the best shooters in basketball. <laughs> he just got to play his role. And, 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 and when his number is called, come through. And that's what he's been doing. That, that he has. Celtics tough. Celtics tough. tough. Listen, if, 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 to me, listen, I'll be forward to anybody. If, if Middleton don't come back, I, I don't see how – the Bucks beat them. To me, Giannis will have to go out there and put on one of those man of steel capes and go out there and drop sixty to win another game. They just not they just not get enough scoring from other guys. Um, Drew Holiday is going to be Drew Holiday, but if right now if Drew Holiday is your second best score on your team, it's hard to advance. That's that, that that's not a discredit to Drew Holiday. That's just being a, a, understanding basketball. If he's your number two score, it's hard to advance in, in the second round of the playoffs playing against a team like the playing against, that's a team like the Celtics. Right. It's just tough. It is what it is. They're gonna need Middleton back to make this a series. Now I hope Middleton comes back between game three or game four because if he if he comes back down in game let's say Middleton comes back and it's game five and they're down three one, I think it's it's too late. The Celtics are already cooking, they're already moving, they just need to win a game. Yep. So yep. I like this series, but I would. This is, in my opinion, I tweeted this out there. This Memphis series, because of Ja Morant, could have a makeup of this Chiefs in in Bill series if the scoring for Memphis comes there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like how this series is shaping up. It, it, it's 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 a it's box. very exciting, it's very exciting. entertaining. Very entertaining. Ja Morant in the in, the, in uh, his dad. At the games, talking his T. Moran, baby, I like T. Moran, baby. You know what I mean? I like T. Moran, baby. Oh, I like it. I like, I like T. Moran. I like. I it. like T. Moran. T. Moran be having the shades on the sidelines, man. You know, looking like an old school pops. Listen, looking like Usher. <laughs> <laughs> just like him. Look, just like him. Listen, I have nothing against him, man. I have nothing against him, man. Do you think T. Moran? Do you think? You know what I mean? But this this is very entertaining, exciting series. I, I'm enjoying watching every bit of it. I would say this here. The winner of this year played the Phoenix Suns. I think it's going to be Golden State. That's going to be box office. Listen, listen. Let me tell you something. Box office. Let me tell you something right now. Box office. Box office. The Warriors and Suns series. Box office. Box. This is going to probably be the most watched conference finals in the last decade. It has, it has that it has that kind of it had that Lakers Sacramento that kind Kings storyline star power. Box office. Like. Box office. It's going to be something to watch. It's going to be something office. to behold. I, I can't wait to see it shape out like that. I wish the Celtics and the Bucks would have met up in the conference finals. Because I really don't want to see the Heat. I really don't. I don't want to see them. I don't want to see them. You know, Jimmy Butler, Spolstra, y'all do a good job. <laughs> Got a good team. Nobody want to see y'all. <laughs> you did. What was wrong with Tyler Hero? You want to see Hero? I like Tyler Hero. Yeah. You don't like Kyle Lowry? You don't like Victor Little Depot? I like him. I like him. I like him. You know what? I like him. They ain't got a shot, but I like him. <laughs> now, uh, uh, Michael Thompson said, "I'm I'm still rooting for CP3." Listen, that 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 to me, if 
the Golden State Warriors and the Phoenix Suns meet them in the conference. That's just box office. Get your popcorn ready. Don't miss a game. Don't don't miss a don't miss a possession because it's going diggity. Yep. You you could believe that to me that that has that make it of that Sacramento Kings Lakers like matchup when the conference finals. I have it up there. I'm not, I'm not missing a possession. Just don't call me. Don't ignore me to the, until the game is finished. I want to see how this all plays out between those two teams if the Golden State Warriors can make it. Dallas is finished. I don't care what they do. But <laughs> Luka needed another superstar on side. He needed another superstar. Dinwiddie, y'all thought he could be the second viable option? No. Stop it. Stop. No. Give him another superstar over there, and Dallas is going to be something to rec- be reckoned with. Then when they get out there, Jalen Brunson, you could, you could, he could be your third or fourth option. Jalen, Rump- Jalen Brunson really needs to get out of Dallas, or they need to put him in a six-man role because when he's on the floor with Luka, He's not effective. He needs the ball in his hand. Right. So he just needs – they need to move him around his offseason or they need to put him out coming off the bench and be a six-man like Tyler Hero. Let him let him come in and get his points off with that second unit. Gotcha. When Luka's sitting on. Now, to get ready to wrap this show up, I'm going to stay in basketball. Pelicans. We talked about Zion a couple of weeks ago. You know, he had, the, he had the article and he, you know, was talking about, you know, he can't, you know, he can't sign an extension fast enough. That, mm-hmm. that was the words. Um, obviously, everyone knows that it's going to be a rookie potential, uh, a, a rookie max extension possibly available for Zion Williamson. Do you sign Zion Williamson to the rookie max extension? If you're David Griffin and change the lane, do you make that decision? You got to. You got to, man. You can't just let Zion walk. <laughs> and then you know what this team could potentially be if he's in place. Right. You add him with Brandon Ingram and C.J. McCollum, McCullum. Herb Jones, then you're probably about to have a top ten pick. Woo! Oh. This Pelican team could AJ, be a top three, AJ top four team. Griffin, baby. Duke. No. Hell no. So disrespectful. Man, you got to stop. I think they need to go after Durant. Durant from Memphis, the big man. And then Jackson Hayes, they're going to get a lot of calls for Jackson Hayes this summer. I agree. Jackson Hayes is going to be somebody that the Pelicans need to really think about trading because, number one, you're not going to be able to pay him. He's, going to, he's probably going to be worth about $70 million, $80 million, something like that. Don't look at his stats and no. think, oh, why would, he, why would he get signed to $70, $80 million? Yeah. I'm going to tell you why. Because Jackson Hayes is one of those players in the league right now when you start talking about people putting these bigs and picking roles yep. and who can change and, and – and, and switch on one through five yep. and not lose anything yep. like what he did against the Suns yep. and gave Chris Paul them problems. problems. Jackson Hayes is going to be a, vi- a, a real valuable asset. And there's a market for him. For other teams to try to get in this offseason. So, and if I'm the Pelicans, I'm considering and trading him because you know you're not going to be able to sign him to the extension that he wants. And you get, you get some more key assets like a pick or two or a player that can add to this team. And I'm telling you right now, the Pelicans could be in prime position to be a top three, top four team in the West next year. And now you're talking about something. So you got to sign Zion back to that rookie max. And, you know, he say he wants to sign it. And I think you could be looking at a situation to when you've seen Joel Embiid came into the league and had a lot of injuries. And what the 76ers did, they stayed with him. They stuck with him. Right. And now you got an MVP player on your team and something to, you know, yeah. a cornerstone player of your franchise for years to come. And right. I think that's what you do with Zion. And I think the Pelicans do that. Man. It's going to be exciting in New Orleans. The football team going to be rolling. The basketball team going to be rolling. Now you need to, all you need to do is add a baseball team, and now we super, super rolling. No more baby cakes, baby. Listen, you got to give it to them. And the reason you have to give it to them because of 
the athletic ability of what you saw his second year. You got to know if you could you, – you have to know and you have to try to figure out if you could harness this and make this into a viable NBA player moving forward. If that young man is able to stay healthy and you're able to develop him and watch him flourish and become the player that you think he can become, well, B.I. and C.J. McCollum, and you adding the Herb Jones to that team, well, he's going to continue to flourish. He's going to continue to get, get better. If he, Herb Jones can start learning how to hit, hit some open shots, not so much learn how to put the ball in the floor, but hit open out threes, hit free throws, just get better at the game of basketball. You know, you, you, you got avocado, what I call grand theft, Al, Alvarado, <laughs> grand theft, Alvarado on that team. You know, you're going you to have possibly a top 10 pick from the Lakers yep. to add to this team. Listen, the sky's the limit. And I agree with you with Jackson Hayes. The way he can pick and roll, he can switch, and the way you could get the ball to him underneath the rim. He's not so much of an offensive threat, but you could get the ball to him in a certain spot, he could put the ball in the hoop, and the way he could defend on pick and rolls and what he can do as a defender. Listen, that's going to be tough to extend that. And then you got to understand, people don't understand this, Herb Jones is a second-round pick. People don't understand with second-round picks. That's only two-year deals. This is why they gave guys like Alvarado an extension already. Buddy, you, you, got, you do for Herb Jones too. Because after next year, he's a free agent because second-round picks only get two-year deals. So you, this is a small market team. You have to address the salary accordingly. You can't afford everybody you're going to pick. You got to pick and choose. I, I'm with you. Maybe you trade Jackson Hayes, you get a couple of assets for him, send him off to an organization where he can still flourish and still you know, be a, a perennial player in this league. You re-sign Herb Jones, you sign Zion Williamson, and you focus on his health. Nothing in the offseason is all about his health. Hey, listen, you play a little Drew League, that's about it. Get some running gunning in you. That's all you can do. You can come back and you see what they can do with this team. Because next year, you got the head coach right. You got Zion. He got the extension. He's happy to be here. He wants to be here. You already signed up McCullum and, 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 and B.I. They, they're already here for the next few they're years. Locked in. They're already locked in. So now you got to really figure out the team that you have. And moving forward for that. Shh. And you signed Zion to this max Rookie, you're going to get him for cheap. Cheap. You know, so to speak. Because say he comes back next year and he kill it. Yep. Then you would have had to pay him the Supermax. Two, two Supermax. $250 million. So, you you know, it's very smart for them to get him now. 250. Sign him now, get him locked <laughs> in now, and now you got a bargain. And I think that'll be very smart on Griffin and Trajan Langley's part. And I think that's what they're going to do. Now, Brandon Barber says this. Yes, but... You put health and fitness clauses in his contract. Yeah, definitely. Yes. And he said, my, um, my homeboy suggested Jordan Clausen as a Pelican six-man, and I love the idea. Um, here's the thing with the Pelicans, and, and I'm going to say this, and I'm going to leave it at this. At some point in time, you don't need too many pieces. That doesn't help a team. Some people think that you want to put this guy here and put this guy here and put this. Too many pieces is not a good thing. Sometimes you want to develop what's already here because people already here already know their roles. You get what I'm saying? They kind of have their identity and who they're going to be. If you start bringing so many free agents into this picture now, guys lose their roles. And when guys lose their roles, they lose their identities. And when guys lose their identity, they don't feel comfortable. They don't feel like the organization is behind them and they're going to want to get out of there. I love Jordan Clausen as a six-man. You know, I really do. But if you bring him here, McCollum is here. You got to understand – McCullum, B.I., and Zion are not going to always be on the floor together. 
a lot of those guys are going to be playing like a six-man role in this team when I, once you start substituting players. You get what I'm saying? Once you start substituting players, B.I. going to be on the floor with a, bu- with a bunch of guys. Zion going to be on the floor with a bunch of four other guys. And C.G. going to be on the floor with about four other guys. And, and those two guys won't be on the floor. So it's hard to bring in a six-man to this group because all you it's one basketball. It ain't good. It ain't good for the chemistry of the team. You're going to have three all-star caliber players. And from that point on, you just want to put good basketball players around them, not guys who still need the basketball in terms of usage. You start getting guys in this team who still need a certain level of usage outside of these three guys, it's a mess. It's a mess because guys going to start to not know their roles. Right. Right. So right. as much as I love Jordan Clawson, and I think that, you know, getting out of Utah may not be a bad thing, but being in Utah is a good thing because the usage of how he can – once you get past Donovan Mitchell, he's the second usage guy on the offense. You, I, if you put him in his offense and he becomes the fifth usage player, that's not his skill set. It, it messes everything up. It's only one basketball, bro. So – I'm telling you, if they could mess around and get Jalen Duran from Memphis, Memphis. – that will be so pivotal to what they're trying to do going forward. Because you, you trade Jackson Hayes, I'm telling you, and, and get some assets for him. I feel like Durant will come in. Now, he, I don't think he can switch on pick and roll as good as Jackson Hayes, but he's really athletic and he can move pretty good. And then you got to start thinking about this. I think Valanchunas, in about a year or two, he's going to have to uh, mess around and move around. He's going to start to decline. Yeah, yeah. For all the time, it's starting to catch up with him. So maybe Durant can take his role and, and, and fill that void. So – I think that's somebody that the, that the Pelicans need to really consider drafting um, if everything checks out, you know, for the combine and when they start working these players out. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I also say is that, you know, when you're looking at the draft, I'm also looking at somebody who can – I'm looking at somebody who can defend and shoot threes for, this, for, for, for you know, a 3D guy. Somebody will come in here and defend. Uh-uh. I like two-way players. That's, why, that, that's the only reason I got Miami trying to get to, get, get to where they're trying to go. They got a lot of two-way players on their team. Um, I, like, I like two-way players. It just In the NBA, I watched enough one-way players, and these guys don't play winning basketball, a.k.a. Kyrie Irving, a.k.a. Russell Westbrook, a.k.a. James Harden, a.k.a. Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> we watched them. And it, we, but we, now we're starting to watch two-way players, and the game is changing. Right. The game is changing. So – that's why I'm really, I mentioned a guy like A.J. Griffin because I know he's a two-way player. Um, but then again, you know, it just depends on what the needs of this team is. You know, but it's, but it's going to be a top pick, and, you know, I would do – the only thing I think this team really truly lacks is a traditional point guard. They don't have that. C.J. has played a lot of one here, but C.J. is not a facilitator by any means of the imagination. When C.J.'s getting that ball, C.J.'s trying to create a pick-and-roll situation where he could create an isolation situation. That's the only thing that Pelicans team lacks. They don't lack a guy who could really facilitate an offense. Right. And they're still dependent on it to do it kind of like – they're kind of dependent on doing it once they pass half court versus when you got a guy like Chris Paul, he can facilitate that from full court, half court, however it needs to be. That's the one thing they lack. But this, this draft doesn't really have a point guard in it. You know, they don't have a really guy who really can do that well. That's still a free agency guy. Right. But – that's how I feel. But do you give him the do you give Zion Williamson the rookie Max? You got damn right you do. I went by all these games he missed. Boy, you better go back go back and watch season two. He was an all-star player. Some of y'all are blind. <laughs> he he been hurt. What you gonna do all his money for? Are you blind? Did you watch when he played? Did you see anybody stop him? 
Yeah, he had he had he averaged twenty six points. Did you did you see it? I know what you saw this year, but but did you see it? Yeah, I saw it. All right then, you you get you're getting the max now. You put some clauses in place, you know, to well, uh, you know, hey bro, only one pizza, only one pizza a week. <laughs> we know you like pizza. You get one a week. You can't have them once every three or four days. You know, a lot of accountability. That's yeah, what they need to have. Yeah, a lot, of, a, a lot of it. You know, no more cafe demands. You you, you go there, you, you you lose. We're going we're going to find you. You got to come here at this weight when training camp starts. This is the clause. You come in here, hey brother, you over two fifty, can't be here. <laughs> No, we are gonna find a piss out you. Yeah, we gonna fi- we gonna find you. You got you got to maintain your Big weight. Big fines. Got to maintain your weight. You if you if you over a certain weight, you're fined. It is what it is. We're gonna sit you out, and, and, and you're gonna take the penalties. If they could get that those things right with Zion's contract, then I don't have a problem at all giving him the money. But they gotta pay attention to some of these contracts though, because I think the NBA is gonna start coming around. The NBA is going to address some of these contracts they've been giving to some of these veteran players, the, the, the John Walls of the world, and it's not John Walls' fault. Houston kind of set him on home. But the Ben Simmons of the world and the Kyrie Irvings of the world, all these contracts like this with the NBA, these, these, these profile players have been enjoying the benefits of, all this is going to come to a change in the new CBA. <laughs> You're not going to have a guy making $47 million sitting at the crib. Yep. You're not going to have a guy sitting over here making $30 plus million dollars and, 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 and not play a game. Yep. You're not gonna have a guy over here say, you know what? I'm gonna be a, I'm gonna be a, a social media I'm gonna be an activist today. Then tomorrow I'm not gonna play game because of a restriction for, for for the virus. And you know I'm gonna come play. You you're not gonna have all that. Oh, it's coming. I don't know why people thinking all. It's coming. But in terms of Zion, yeah, you put some waste restrictions in there, and and and, and that's what that's gonna be. Now I'm gonna read the last comment here before we get a wrap up. Brandon a Barber says this. You need scoring off the bench. He'll basically fit if Deontay Graham's role, especially since he's inconsistent. <coughs> uh, when it comes to Graham, Graham's hit and miss. But, again, the Pelicans didn't sign Graham to a lot of money. He had signed a four-year deal, $48 million, $12 million a year. I mean, his contract is in line for what his role is to a basketball team. It's a good contract if you're thinking about moving him. Um, but – is his scoring inconsistent? Yes. Um, but you you have to find a trade partner. Uh, you have to find someone where he can go and he can play basketball and, you know, figure out what you could get in return. But it's up, it's up to the Pelicans. The Pelicans got a lot of got, – got some options. But in terms of me giving Zion the money, absolutely. Because I – I'm looking forward to next season and him being here with B.I. and C.J. McCollum and seeing how Willie Green puts this offense together with these guys. Yeah. And more importantly, if these guys can learn how to also be two-way players and step on a, step up on a defensive NG and make defensive plays, man, the Pelicans are going to be lights out. They're going to be lights out. Top three, top four team in the West. Go to State, we're coming, baby. Phoenix, we're coming, baby. The Rockets at home, chilling, trying to figure out how they're going to do things over there. We don't know what the Rockets are going to come up with. Maybe draft the first overall, baby. Get Jabari Smith. Maybe. 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 Pablo Bancaro. Like Chet Holgren. I, I like I like, I like, like Manchero. I like him. I, I figure you would. I like him. Duke you. 
and he'll fit with what we got with Kevin Porter and and, and uh, Jalen Green. Green. Yeah, he he'll definitely fit. You know, I, I like you know, I think Houston. I think Houston is gonna figure it out. We gonna figure it out, baby. Y'all just gotta figure out if if, if it's Steven Silas, the guy moving forward. We shall see. We shall see. That's our show, guys. Fan View Live, Real Fans Talk Sports. Thank y'all for tuning in. Man, listen, appreciate all the, the commenters. Terry Jones, Brandon Barber. I mean, the list goes on. Christopher Garrett. I mean, Stanley Reed. Man, listen, thanks for the comments, guys. Thanks for tuning in Fan View Live each and every Thursday, 12 p.m. Again, don't forget to subscribe to our page if you're on Facebook. Don't forget to subscribe to our page if you're on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to Fan View Live if you are on IG. It's Fan View Live. If it's Fan View Mola <coughs> on Twitter. Don't forget to follow G Sports if you're on Twitter. Don't forget to follow G Sports if you're on Facebook. Don't forget to follow G Sports if you're on YouTube. I can't help you if you're underneath the rock, baby. I can't help you. All you can do is plug in each and every, every each and every Thursday for 12 o'clock. It, it's like that. Like that. You know what I'm saying? That's our show, guys. Thank y'all for tuning in. We see y'all again next Thursday. Family Live, Real Fans Talk Sports.